This episode of Dana Being Dana is brought to you in part by Hits for the Cure, hitting childhood cancer out of the park by covering all the bases. Hello, and welcome to Dana Being Dana. I'm Dana Michelle, and I'm thrilled you're with us. My show is all about different aspects of the human connection, things that bring us together, and living life intentionally. One thing that has connected my village in recent years has been cancer, and childhood cancer happens everywhere. Globally, it is estimated that over 300,000 new cases of cancer affect children each year. However, this number may be vastly underestimated due to large numbers of undiagnosed cases. Every day in the U.S., 43 children are diagnosed with cancer, with blood cancers being the most common. Joining me now are friends of mine, Jeff and Ashley Bergholtz, to share their experience with pediatric cancer. So your youngest and only daughter, Kennedy was diagnosed with cancer 11 days after her first birthday. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? We brought her in because we thought she had an ear infection. Started with antibiotics because she just didn't seem right. Um, a few days went by, she felt still wasn't 100% better. You know, those antibiotics for an ear infection, they turn around real fast. Right. And then I thought, thought something was wrong with her legs. She wasn't push, putting pressure on it, she wouldn't crawl, she was just mm -hmm. laying uncomfortably. Had she been walking before? She'd she been cruising. crawling, but just she'd slowed down her movement. All yeah. of a sudden, it'd be like, you could sit her down, and 20 minutes later, she's in the same spot, which yeah. for one-year-old. She used one to year follow old, us around crawling or cruising. We, family room, she'd follow us in the yeah. kitchen. Yeah, and all of a sudden, she wasn't moving. She wasn't moving. Yeah. So finally, we got her in. Um, we went to CDH, the Central DuPage Hospital, and they put us in. And by the time we got the diagnosis, it was a few days later, and in a whirlwind of there's a tumor on your daughter's hip, we're going to put you on an ambulance. We're going to send you to Lurie. You're going to be admitted to the oncology floor. Wow. Do you know what that means? Yeah. Okay. Oncology means cancer. And then that was, then it just like, and then we were there for another five days and then we were discharged. So it was a very long eight or nine days in the hospital trying to figure out what it was. And you went in and for, you thought it was a Originally was a cold, we thought it was a cold. Or an ear infection. Yeah. Originally yeah. you just thought she wasn't just, feeling well. She had a little bit of runny nose. A, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So tell me about her treatment. Uh, her subsequent treatment? So she had, um, she's Langerhans cell histiocytosis, which is a blood cancer. Yes. Um, and with that, her first, their first round of treatment is 52 weeks of chemotherapy and a steroid regimen. 52 so, weeks. So mm -hmm. a full year. Oh. Um, we would go every week and then she would get, and she, first she had to have a port placed, um, which is the intravenous, um, in the chest so that they can just put it right in through there instead of having to go through an IV because if they get the chemo on the blood or in the skin, it's very painful mm -hmm. and can burn. Okay. Um, every week we get steroids, uh, chemotherapy. She would not feel good. Um, and then finally at the end of that first year, it spread out so it was once every three weeks. That was called the maintenance phase. Okay. Um, so that was the first 52 weeks and then she went into remission, which was amazing. So she had cancer for a year. Mm -hmm. before going into remission well, yeah, with the treatment. So right around the time, yeah, spring, she turned two, in, her birthday's in April, so mm -hmm. she turned two, that's around the time, roughly. We had a couple more months after that, right? Yeah, I yeah. think so. With mm -hmm. the maintenance phase, and then. So I think technically she would have been considered in remission sooner. Yeah, okay. But with the way we deal with LCH, we wait till they're off treatment to save remission, just, deal, just based just on their save. relapses. Yeah. Of course, of course. And so then, of course, four months later, she relapsed and we found out that she had a bump on her head and we're like, well, she didn't hit her head. 
how'd she get a bump on her head? Mm -hmm. And I walked her into the pediatrician's office. I called him. I said, I'm, going, I'm taking her in. And I walked in. They wouldn't answer the phone. I sat her on the counter. And I said, my daughter needs to be seen. She had cancer, and it's back. Wow. And they're... I think that was the advocacy. And you, you all are my friends, so yeah. I, I know who you are as people and as parents. But I think the advocacy is so important when it comes to uh, treatments uh, and advocating for not only yourself, if you mm -hmm. are the patient, but also your children when, when they cannot advocate mm -hmm. for themselves. Yes. I think that is so important. Can you talk about another time where you've advocated on behalf of Kennedy in her treatment process? Well, just a real quick, and you mentioned that, I just went, like one of the things for Kennedy is, you know, and I think a lot of kids, when they have cancer, when they're, before they're diagnosed and being treated, is they look fine, but there's something going on there. And so, you know, it, you have to advocate. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Ashley's tremendous at that and really fiercely advocated for Kennedy and as she does for all the kids and, and anybody else she loves, which is awesome. But, um, you know, in terms of advocating for her, I think really it was when we had that second go around mm -hmm. that when the chemo wasn't quite, she it wasn't, she was, there was no response, there was no change mm -hmm. after the first few months. And then, you know, Ashley is like, we need to do something that's going to work. And she made sure she voiced that opinion. And thankfully, you know, doctors were able, were willing to listen and mm -hmm. said we do have another option. So then she switched her, her chemo treatment about three months in the second yes. round. So, because wow. she ended up being on for about 16 months total the second time. Wow. I'm sure this experience has taught you so much about your family, about each other. How many children do you have total? Three. Two boys, mm -hmm. um, in addition to Kennedy, her older brothers. What has this experience been like for them? I think it has taught them immense compassion. Mm -hmm. Immense compassion. They are already compassionate kids in general, um, but they are the first to make sure someone is okay if they aren't feeling well. They are the first to be concerned when something isn't going right. But in regards to our family, it became very clear that they knew if Kendi was sick or needed to go to the hospital, it was, oh no, she's got to go to the hospital. Mom, when are you coming home? Why do you have to go again? So there was that definite, um, dis, you know, disparance because how much time I could spend with the boys. Right. I, mm. I can't spend as much time because I'm taking care of her. And, and so that was a bit, it splits the family when yeah. it comes to that yeah. time. And so like she... She primarily was the person who would go to the hospital with Kennedy, and, and I was always very focused, and we both made it a goal to try and make sure the boys' lives stayed as normal as possible through all this. So mm -hmm. still doing, you know, whatever activities, baseball and things that they were doing. Um, and so I was running around taking the boys to places, you know, this activity, that activity, friend's house, whatever, while Ashley would be occupied for, you know, that second regiment was five days a week, mm -hmm. um, once a month. So that whole week, yeah. they'd be basically gone. So... You know. What was that like on your, on your marriage? What has, how has this cancer diagnosis impacted your marriage? I think during it, we just went. Yeah. During mm -hmm. it, you just go. Right. And it's when you get to the end and all of a sudden there's that kind of sigh of relief and all of a sudden you're like, oh, the pressure's not there anymore. And we look back and we're like, okay, now we actually have to focus back on us because we weren't. It, wasn't, it was all about survival. Mm -hmm. It was all about what we were doing. He was a rock mm -hmm. at home and I was the medical one. So yeah. we, had, we, had our, we had our roles and we followed our roles. Yeah, yeah it's like, you know, sometimes you, you get caught up in it and we could talk about the time and like, oh, when things happen, but time becomes kind of nebulous. You know, you lose track of time and you look back, it's like, wow, that was three months have gone by since we've had a night where it was just the two of us going mm -hmm. out for dinner or something like that. You know, and it's probably even longer than that, but I'm just, you just completely lose track because yeah. you get focused on making sure your kids are okay. And, and it, 
you know, I think out of it though too, it was, oddly we gained a deeper appreciation for each other, yeah. but yeah. we weren't always able to, um, you know, spend time to let each other know that we were stuck in doing our duty, so to speak, to take care of things. What do you appreciate most about each other through this experience? What have you learned? There's something about the other that you didn't know going well, through this experience. For me, what I mentioned just a little while ago is just Ashley's absolute fierce uh, loyalty and dedication, advocacy, any word like that you want to apply to it for the people she loves. Yeah, um, that's my girl. <laughs> you know, if she cares about you, she's going to do whatever it takes to make sure that things are taken care of right for you, whether that be for Kennedy, taking care of our boys, or you know, now that we are a couple of years out of things, is making sure that our whole, our relationship as a couple and then our dynamic as a family is uh, you know, strong and solid and, and, and balanced again. And what about you, Ashley? I think I, it, it, took me, um, it took me that time to really appreciate how calm Jeff is. And he was able to bring me back down when I would be on that brink. He's mm -hmm. definitely the calm to my crazy. Yeah. And I really appreciated that in that time because he could get the kids to, especially the boys, to settle down when I'm like running around with a chicken with my head cut off trying yeah. to get everything done. What is Kennedy's current status? She's How in remission. She Great. She is currently three and a half years off treatment mm -hmm. um, and doing amazing. Yeah. So we are so thankful. We are incredibly blessed. We, we get to say that out loud. Yeah. Can we bring her out? Can we talk to her? Sure. Love to have yeah. her. Hopefully she won't be too shy. Awesome. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This episode of Dana Being Dana is brought to you in part by Hits for the Cure, hitting childhood cancer out of the park by covering all the bases. Welcome back to Dana Being Dana, where I am talking to good friends of mine, Jeff and Ashley Burkholz, about their experience with pediatric cancer and their daughter, Kennedy, who's joined us now. Hi, Kennedy. Hi. How are you, pretty girl? Good. Good. You are one of the most bravest, most courageous little girls that I know. How old are you? Seven. Seven. You're so big. What do you remember from your cancer diagnosis? Mm. Do you remember going to the doctor? Going to the doctor. Do you remember going to the doctor? Mm -hmm. yeah. What was the name of your hospital? I'll chime in for her because sure. she's shy. Is that yeah. we see any commercial with Lurie. Mm -hmm. And that's my hospital. There's where my doctors are. Is that true? And Ronald McDonald House was also huge when we stayed for chemo, and she'd be like, can we go to the McDonald House today? I want to go there. Tell us more about your support system when your family was going through this ordeal. It's so important. It's amazing. Yeah. People stepping up and taking my kids and offering meals and gift cards, and it was no longer, I just want to do this. It's you tell me what you need, and I'll do it. That was massive. Yeah, and it was just great, like how so many people stepped up and. Lots and you of times, see who your true friends are. You, right. you keep that circle, and that circle grows tighter. Yeah. Yeah, and then like amazing how some people we didn't know as well who stepped up, and then mm -hmm. we developed really great relationships with, and still are friends with. You know, it's just amazing how that can happen. You know, a blessing in disguise, meeting more people you didn't know. I guess. Yeah. yeah. What um, what kind of learning challenges or disabilities? I remember you all talking before about how when you were in the hospital, mm -hmm. when you were undergoing treatment, 
there wasn't a time for, for colors and numbers and ABCs because there were just more mm -hmm. priorities now. Yeah. Um, Kennedy's now, she's seven and she's mm -hmm. in... Going into second. Going, going into going second into. grade. Second. Second grade, <laughs> that's right. Um, and, and so what challenges have you had to overcome? Or there's, there's an educational aspect mm -hmm. that gets impacted by cancer that I don't think people focus on when it comes to pediatrics. Yes. Not only is there an impact on like the, when they're so young and you just don't focus on it in teaching them, but then also what the chemo does. So she has some um, short-term memory issues that we've really struggled, like tried to make that connection. Um, she does currently have an IEP where we are working on her reading and based literacy. On, based on the based, cancer. Based on, yes, yeah. based on her cancer. And, qualifications, yeah. mm -hmm. and being just behind because we didn't have the opportunity to do the work. Right. And she, her body didn't have the opportunity to do the work it needed and neither did her brain. Right, right. Yeah, cool. preschool got interrupted too, you know, because she, she was in those years she'd be missing a week at a time. So some of those things too were disruptions for her. Yeah. You okay? Can I ask you one more question, Ms. Kennedy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What advice do you want to give a little kiddo who's been diagnosed with cancer? Anything you want to tell them about your I experience? How they can fight through cancer. Yes. I agree. That's great advice. Parents, what advice would you give to parents who unfortunately may be in your shoes, you know, in a year from now or tomorrow even by taking their kid to the doctor for any type of visit. Don't walk away till you get the answer. Mm -hmm. Stand your ground. If, you're, if you feel instinctually that there's something wrong, go for it and, and find the right doctor who will listen to you. And outside of that, find the support system, find that support circle, whether it be through organizations, family, friends, because not only do you need the support, but your family will need the support. Yeah, and I think for, for us as a couple, but particularly me, kind of proud in the sense that I don't like to ask for help a lot or reach out for help, like about like family stuff. You know, at work I'll ask a thousand questions, but family stuff, I'm like, I've got this. Um, but don't be afraid or embarrassed to reach out for help and take advantage of like great organizations. Um, like I know I think you'll be talking to Stacy. so Cal's Angels was huge for our family as yeah. were a couple other organizations mm -hmm. that really stepped up and provided us with support we needed, whether, you know, in, in so many different ways, coming to the hospital and visiting the kids there, like Kennedy and bringing pizza for them or little toys, right? Did you like getting toys when you were at the doctor? Did that make it better? So there's, and then, you know, just so many things that people are willing to do. Just don't be afraid because whether you realize it or not, you need that support. Yep. Um, your tank can only go so long without getting refilled, so to speak. We talk all the time about mm -hmm. showing up and um, being there and it takes a village. So blessings to you. Thank you all so Thank much you. for being here. We'll be right back. This episode of Dana Being Dana is brought to you in part by Hits for the Cure, hitting childhood cancer out of the park by covering all the bases. Welcome back to Dana Being Dana, where we are talking about pediatric cancer and advocacy. Cancer is the number one killer of children, and cancer in children has been slowly growing over the last few years, but medical advancements have helped to vastly improve the survival rate for children from 58% in 1978 to 84% now. Despite this fact, childhood cancer remain, research remains consistently underfunded. Joining me now are Chloe Peterson, founder for Hits for the Cure, and Stacey Wahlberg, co-founder and president of Cal's Angels. 
Chloe, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank so happy to be so here. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. Of course. Just like Kennedy from the last segment, you were diagnosed with cancer yes. at the age of one. Can you tell us about your experience? When I was one years old, my parents took me in for my one-year-old checkup, and they found some, a lump on my stomach and they wanted to look into it a little bit more. It turned out I actually had something called Wilms tumor. It was a really rare cancer at the time. Wow. And luckily I was living in Peoria and that's right where the Midwest affiliate is for St. Jude's. So thankfully they got me right in and then I ended up with Wilms tumor from the age of one to five, roughly around five to six. Wow. So you were battling cancer uh, from age one to age six. Yes, I Have was. You been in remission since then? I am. I'm now 100% cured, which uh. is so awesome. It takes about 10 years after to officially say that. So uh. now I'm, I'm past that mark, which is so incredible. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your treatment, the types of treatment that you had um, from yeah. ages one through six? So I mainly was in chemotherapy. My parents had a really tough decision. I was in about stage two, stage three borderline. I had a few really hard surgeries around the ages of two and three. I kept kind of going back and forth or where I would be in remission and then kept going back. So the doctors wanted me to do radiation, but my parents really knew the kinds of developmental issues that could happen from that. So they really were against that and they wanted to just get as many opinions as possible just because they knew how that could affect me. So we actually ended up not doing radiation and foregoing that. Okay. And so that was able to help me get to where I am now and not have any of those issues, which mm. I'm just so blessed to have. Mm. So chemotherapy was able to work for me and um, along with all the different surgeries I had. Stacy, Chloe was talking about, about not having um, some of the mental developmental or learning disabilities associated with cancer and cancer treatment. With the families that you service and support through Cal's Angels, um, can you talk a little bit about some of their experiences and how cancer can impact children from a educational and learning uh, perspective? Sure, so overall, you know, we do like to use statistics, they say 80% actually do have some kind of secondary effects. So Chloe's extremely lucky and radiation does play a very high rate of why there are disabilities later on and even secondary cancers is something that can come out of radiation. So unfortunately, that's where we are today because it is so grossly underfunded that all these side effects from the different chemotherapies, they do rear their ugly head at some point a lot yeah. of times with the children. So Chloe is, is a very small percentage and we're so thankful and that she's not you know, having any of these secondary, whether it's a side effect, a learning disability, developmentally delayed, or even a secondary cancer. Did you have any side effects or any long-term effects? So there are some that could potentially come later in the future, but for right now, I haven't really had any. Yeah. Um, definitely mental, definitely family. You do see those side effects come around just from having cancer and seeing that effect on your family and effect on your mental health, especially at that age of the five or six when you're in school. It, it definitely does affect you. So definitely around that part, but as far as the physical developmental side, um, nothing there, which is, again, just so mm. lucky to have that. What do you remember most from your experience? You were so little. Yeah. And so you probably don't remember specifically, obviously, the diagnosis and things mm -hmm. like that, but, but six years old, you, you probably have some memories. 
What yeah. do you remember most from your experience? So I remember going and they're just long days. The long days were the hardest parts. And I remember my mom would get me candies and things like that and treat me at the end of the day. We called um, tumor, tumor balls. And that's how I remember them. I envisioned them as these bouncy little colorful balls. And that's how they would describe them to me that we need to get them out of my stomach. I remember the doctors that are actually still there and I still work with in my own charity um, who are just so incredible. And I remember the weight rooms because that's where we spent a lot of long hours. So I remember those kind of things more and I just remember the long tiring days. Yeah. Stacy, you have had personal experience uh, with pediatric cancer um, and it's one of the reasons why you started Cal's Angels and we talked about you in the last segment. Can you tell us about your personal experience with pediatric cancer? Yes, I am the stepmother to Cal Sutter who passed away at the age of 13, diagnosed at the age of 12 actually today. Wow. 15 years ago, uh, diagnosed. Mm. And he was diagnosed with a very, very rare form of leukemia called acute myelogenous leukemia. It's very rare in children. It's considered the adult form. It's not the children's form that you normally hear. And because of that, you know, the odds were stacked up against us from out of the gate. And in another segment, we can talk about why Europe's statistics are so much higher than the United States. But in the United States, it's, it's about a 10 to 20% chance of survival with his diagnosis that he wow. had. Wow. What stage was he was he in when he was diagnosed? Um, acute myelogenous leukemia. With leukemia, there is not a stage. There's not a there stage. There is no stage. Okay. No. Okay. Can we talk a little bit about your support system um, going through this process um, for both of your families and, and what that was like? Well, I think there's. it's really important to mention that most people, unless you've gone through it, they don't realize that cancer affects the entire family. Yes. So for me, my role was very different than Cal's parents. You know, I was the one who was at home a lot where there was five other children and trying to balance what they were going through, the fear, the loneliness, the unknown is so incredibly scary for all the other children. And then when one of your other, one of Cal's siblings looks you dead in the eye and says, I want to get cancer because they see all the things that Cal's receiving right. the attention, and they can't, if you will. Absolutely, yeah. material and you know, and other things that, that he was coming home with all the different material things that they wanted cancer as well. And we we're like, whoa, 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 no, 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 yeah. that's not what we want to do here. Right. And so, but that's not something people understand a lot. You know, the focus goes so much on the sick child as it should. Mm -hmm. However, the siblings are always forgotten, and they're truly just as important yeah. as you know the sick child. So it's that balance. Absolutely, absolutely. One thing that I appreciate about you ladies is that you've taken a cancer diagnosis and, and the situation that has impacted your family in such a profound way and done so much good with that. You started Hits for the Cure, you started Cal's Angels. Chloe, I'll start with you. Can you, can you tell us about Hits for the Cure? Absolutely. So it kind of goes hand in hand with what we talked earlier about. I just want to be able to help other children. We talked about how I was just so blessed to be able to not have these developmental issues that other children have. I was able to go on and play softball in college for some time. I played in what high division? school. Division one. Division one. <laughs> division yes, one. say that. I was able to play division one softball and I verbaled when I was 15. So I had some time in high school when most were applying for colleges where I had this free time and I wanted to use that time to be able to give back because I just knew I was so blessed with this town of softball that I just wanted to use that time to give back. I knew that was a time that I was given that I could finally do that. Yeah. So that's when I created Hits for the Cure with my high school team. And then it just blew up to something that I'm just so proud of. But the whole 
reason I wanted to do Hits for the Cure was to be able to use those talents I've been so blessed with to be able to hopefully have these other children one day be able to be grown up and use those talents that they've been blessed with and just have that cycle keep going. And that's the whole mantra behind Hits for the Cure is to just be able to use what you're passionate about and help other children be able to find those passions right. one day too that I was able and blessed enough to have. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Stacy, tell us about Cal's Angels. Well, first, I mean, hats off to Chloe, right? So young and being able to start something and you're so passionate about it. So thank you, please keep up the good work. But at Cal's, we saw firsthand the devastation of families, losing jobs, you know, losing homes, everything becoming, you know, at home, everything just blowing up, if you will. And so we wanted to try to somehow make a difference. And so Cal's Angels is we do wishes, we raise awareness, and we fund research. So we like to say Cal's Angels is going to war against pediatric cancer. Mm. That's great. That's great. What's next for Hits for the Cure? So we recruit high school softball teams and baseball teams, and we also recruit college teams. I just want to keep growing this. Right now it's mainly in central Illinois, which is where I'm from, Peoria, Illinois. I want to take this in Naperville. I want to take this up to the Chicago suburbs. I want to grow this as big as I can. And I really think that this is something that anybody that has a passion and wants to help and give back can really just grab onto and help. And I want to be able to, if anybody wants to be part of this, I want to help them be able to help out their community and we can really just grow this and make it as big as we can. Mm -hmm. Is it true that pediatric cancer is so underfunded compared to cancer overall? Yes, it's grossly underfunded. And unfortunately, our government only gives, if you, it's 4% of federal funding goes to cancer. So if you think of it as four pennies on every dollar goes towards our children who are our future. Right. These are our future leaders. So I feel like it's very backwards Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, you will hear people say not enough children are dying. And for me, I completely disagree because if one child is dying, that's too many. Amen. So, that's right. How do you feel that others can best help those dealing with a cancer diagnosis? What do you recommend in terms of supporting those who are diagnosed with pediatric cancer? I think that the greatest thing is to be able to help children be able to find their passion. I think that's the thing that was able to help me is people helped me show my passion through all of it, to be able to hold on, to let me play softball, to let me have that. And I want to be able to, with my charity, that's my goal, is to be able to, I guess, our mantra is to be able to hit childhood cancer out of the park by hitting a home run, covering all the bases. So getting cancer cured might be hitting a triple. I want to be able to hit a home run and have that kid go on and live the happiest, healthiest life. So that might be by having them follow their passion, being mentally healthy in their life, being developmental, like being able to just really help develop them as a full person. And I really hope that they can follow their passion. Okay. And a, I think that the best thing is to be able to introduce kids in, with cancer to realize that cancer isn't their whole life. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Stacy, so many families come to you with a diagnosis of pediatric cancer. What advice do you give those parents representing Cal's Angels? Honestly, I think out of the gate, it's a conversation of, you know, you will get through this. Life will return to some kind of normal at some point. But, you know, literally it's strap in, educate yourself, become more aware of any kind of, you know, information that you can. I do, I do laughingly say stay off the internet <laughs> because the internet can be a bit overwhelming. But you need to find your people. There's, you know, there's villages out there of 
cancer, other organizations that are phenomenal, like Chloe, and there's, you know, we're very lucky in the Chicagoland area of how many different foundations there are out there that help you walk through this, but just as long as you have the people side by side with you to help you advocate and ask the questions and carry around a pen and paper at all times. There you go. Chloe, what advice would you give a kiddo like Kennedy, um, who's so young and has her whole life ahead of her, um, about your experience? I think you're someone that she can look up to. You are a future for her. Um, what advice would you give her? To just do what she loves and to just follow her dreams because I think, again, it's you. cancer shouldn't define you, and I think that's the thing that I've tried to make my life be about is that cancer hasn't defined me. And instead it's made me, I'm a survivor and I'm so proud of that. And I want other children to be able to look at me and see that I'm, the cancer isn't a label on me. It's been something that's made me grow and be an even stronger person. Mm -hmm. Well, I think what you're doing with Hits for the Cure is incredibly important. Thank Keep you. up the good work. Thank you so much mm -hmm. for all that you do, Stacy, with Cal's Angels. Thank you. And thanks to both of you ladies for joining me here for this episode. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Absolutely. Dana. Thank you so much for having us. According to the American Cancer Society, over 11,000 children will be diagnosed with cancer in the U.S. this year. Of these, the majority will be under 15 years old. I think health is one of the number one things people take for granted, as we have all learned tough lessons in a pandemic era. I am passionate about us all taking our health seriously and getting checked out when something seems like it is off. Thank you to my guests for joining me today to share their courageous stories. And I want to personally thank Chloe and Stacy again for starting organizations focused on showing up for others impacted by cancer. Please support these organizations and people in your life who are battling cancer, especially pediatric cancer. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you have been entertained, if not encouraged or inspired. I do not promise to be an expert, nor do I have all the answers. I'm just Dana being Dana. See you next time.